welcome, welcome to the Pixel Latest Sausage Show. Hi, 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 hi. I am, of course, your host, Marcus Nez. I don't remember how I start this show, apparently. That felt a little off, but I am Marcus Nez. And that is your host. That is? That is me, who is your host of the Pixel Latest Sausage Show, which is what you're listening to right now i will be talking about a handful of games including mr run and jump frank and jake (laughs) is frank and drake 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 i I said jake there the first time frank and drake not the rapper but still the same name and then rain world downpour and risky woods cubite classics but before i get to that I just have a question for people regarding movies and all of that. The Barbie movie. Did very well. Very, very well. Surprisingly well, I'd say. And I'm wondering if anyone else agrees or thinks that, like Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Barbie is a... An example of great surprising success 100% related to COVID. And in this case, or, or whereas Animal Crossing was something that succeeded and blew up because people couldn't go anywhere and the game gave them the ability to go outside in a very small location and do a lot of busy work i don't know what the fuck the deal was there but with barbie i think its success is coming off the fact of this is really the first year where we're pretty much back to normal and movie theaters are back to normal and people just want to go to the theater and barbie looked like a good time you had this whole stupid barbenheimer thing where people wanted to watch both movies in the same day for whatever dumb reason I'm just a bit shocked by how well Barbie has done I'm excited to see it even though I think there's a chance that I could end up getting exhausted before the movie ends because it just looks like a lot and I am still concerned even though I've been told the Will Ferrell stuff isn't completely or it isn't like the Lego movie Will Ferrell stuff, which is not what I was assuming. I wasn't assuming that it was going to be another case of Will Ferrell is telling his daughter to stop playing with Barbie and that's how we get to the real world. But more so it being Will Ferrell is from the real world and he's somewhat related to this whole Barbie thing and I don't want anything to do with that because you know what? Will Ferrell? Terrible at comedy. I've never watched a Will Ferrell I've never watched a Will Ferrell comedy I liked. He's great in more serious roles like Stranger Than Fiction, Everything Must Go, but when it comes to his comedies like Talladega Nights and all of those, Anchorman, etc., none of them are good. They have good moments. And in some cases, they have the potential of 
being good, but then he ruins them. I think Talladega Nights is a case of there's quite a lot of good there, but he's not good there. And it is still just a bunch of jokes that he and Adam McKay and maybe a few others wrote down in a joke book and then said, how can we make a movie out of this? And that's what we get. But I'm just curious if anyone else thinks that Barbie's success is very much related to the fact that we're coming off this pandemic where things were closed for so long and we couldn't be now they're doing normal things and now we can I also rewatched Elf <laughs> no anywho let's get on to what I've been playing I told you you'd be disappointed Entry, and you know why uh huh uh huh but we're gonna start off with Mr. Run and Jump which is a fast paced 2D side-scrolling platformer where you start off as a little Atari 2600 fella with your own puppy pupper <laughs> and you play a little bit of it feels pretty alright and then you come across a tear in space presumably and it gets transported to a much cleaner updated visual aesthetic that is high on neon and color and it looks real nice and the music's pretty good and then you go through these levels doing a lot of fast pace movement wall jumping dashing high jumping long jumping the animation is quite nice i really like the long jump animation which is very reminiscent of what you expect from an Olympic long jump. So it's not just you're jumping a longer distance. It has that kind of where you're propelling yourself and then you are throwing your arms and legs forward to try and get a little extra length from your jump. It looks really, really good. And overall, it feels all right. It is definitely a speed running centric game because it feels best when you understand or start memorizing a level and speed one or move through it as fast as possible without stopping to think, without looking at it around. So once you really know a level in and out and can power through it without stopping, without having to take a second to think, it feels pretty good. But there is a caveat to that in, in the sense that I think there are plenty of instances where the game's controls end up hurting it due to an attempt to oversimplify them, I guess, or to streamline them in a way where you don't have to press a lot of buttons to do all the various actions. Because you have your base jump and you have a double jump. You have... And the, the way the double jump works is that when you do a double jump, you can't do another one until you hit ground. But you can do things like a little dive that'll propel you forward a good distance. And that you can do at one jump. 
And when you dive, you can do your second, you can do your double jump after the first dive, and then you can still do another dive after that. The long jump is something you do while rolling on the ground. So it's not something you do when already midair. You can roll like Samus, so you can get into a little ball and roll super fast, which is oddly satisfying. The problem with the game though, control-wise, is that it, it does feel a little bit loose. I don't like the fact that with wall jumping, the wall jumping is very, very easy in that when you are up against a wall, you don't have to push to the opposite end to jump to the opposite end. You just press A and you can press A back and forth and it'll do that for you. You have to press in the opposite direction if you have to make an exceptionally long jump or, or, or jump a longer gap. And then you can also dive to reach further gaps and do wall jumps uh, against two walls that are quite far apart. But if they're close enough, all you gotta do is tap the A button, which is nice. But I don't like the fact that when you are up against a wall, you will automatically cling to it. You don't have to press against it initially. So it can get a little finicky there where I wanna do a high jump, but instead I'm clinging to the wall and then I'm jumping off of it and I just wanted to jump top and then do a double jump and not jump away from the platform ahead of me. But the real problem with the controls is that because it's so streamlined and doesn't use every button on the controller for individual inputs, it's easy to end up accidentally doing something you don't want to do. And what I mean by this is that to long jump, you roll by pressing, I believe, the left bumper. I think maybe all of the bumpers. I think the, both bumpers and triggers get you into the roll stance. And you roll your way to an edge, and then you jump when you want to do your long jump. But also, when you are jumping in air, you press the roll. It's essentially the, the crotch button. But when you're moving and holding that, then you're rolling. So you press the crouch button in midair to do the dive. And also, when you are crouched standing still, you'll do the high jump. So you end up using the same input for various different types of jumps. And that can make it so you want to do one thing, but you end up doing a different thing. Or you're still holding the button because you did one action. And then when you're ready to do another action, you actually do something else because you didn't remember to let go. It just ends up being a bit of a cumbersome experience that I think with enough time, you'd probably get used to it. But I would have liked a little bit more control over the controls and allowing myself to put the various inputs and everything on different buttons. Because while it may be nice to make the game somewhat simplified and streamlined and make it so that you don't have to do some weird combination of buttons. You don't have to remember a, button, a bunch of different button combinations. I'd like the option. I would like at least the option. And it's not there. But overall, it's an, it's an okay time. I don't know how much content is really there because what the levels ask you to do is complete them of course but then there are the shards of 
the world or whatever after or, or orbs or some kind of thing that have broken with the rift and everything that you came through, etc. And you're always chasing after your, your little poochie buddy. But you have the, the collectible shards to get all of them and then each level has three orbs or whatever that you can go after that are completely optional if you want that are in specific areas that have glowing light emanating from the pathway towards them and those will ask you to do some extra tricky bit of platforming to collect the orb without dying and then go back on your merry way to complete the level very celeste-esque there but outside of that you have essentially there might be some challenge rooms, but it would mostly become a time trial thing where you're going after leaderboards and really getting into that speedrunning mindset. And why I, I'm not sure how much content is really there is that if you don't care about collecting everything, going, uh, going for 100%, I'm pretty sure the game only has six or seven areas each of which are comprised of three main levels and then your bossish fourth level, which will ask you to do stuff like uh, platforming while the world is collapsing upon you or there's some kind of thing that will kill you if it reaches you. So it becomes, oh, oh it's, it's sort of getting you into that speedrunning mentality so that maybe you'll want to do that with the regular levels as well. And those are fun and all, but it, the thing is, once that's over, what else is there? And I bring this up because in the description, at least on the Steam page, it mentions the game having 30 plus hours of gameplay. It says there's, there's so many hours here. And I struggle to see how they can really say that with what I see is there. If you're not somebody who is going to be going after the time trials and really getting into the speedrunning aspect and trying to beat your time time and time again, 30 plus hours in this, and it's a $25 game. So your, your mileage will vary. And that's, that's one of my biggest concerns. And in addition to my control woes, I think there is a bit of a, a content lack there but of course I haven't played through the whole thing so I, I don't know and like I said if you really get in the speedrunning thing it could be a thing but it, it's got some it's got some good points I just the controls for me didn't quite click I think they would get more comfortable over time but do I want to invest that time that's what I'm not sure and and even with the controls being a bit finicky, I was able to get through what I played perfectly fine. It is a game that restarts you after a death or, or anything of that nature very, very quickly. So it is a game that is easy to keep at, even if you're struggling, because it resets real fast. And it does have a nice accessibility option of after you fail enough times, it'll give you both checkpoints at different intervals in a level so that you don't have to replay because it typically will have you restart at a new screen 
and screens can be scrolling so they can be kind of long sections but they'll throw in checkpoints if you're struggling as well as an invincibility star so that's nice and then the last thing I want to bring up that I really 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 like it's a small small detail something that I've never seen in another game and I would love to see it in more things this is one of the things I love about the indie space they think about these little details that are seemingly meaningless that are just whatever but I appreciate it, especially as someone who is non-binary but the game is called Mr. Run and Jump however at the title screen you can customize it you can customize the little person who and their and their doggy what they look like but also you can change the title from Mr. Run and Jump to Miss Run and Jump or just Run and Jump so if you prefer the game have a gender identity that is like yours if you, if you want to have that relatability you can do that is is it some big detail some something that changes the game itself no but it's a nice little thing does it does it make a huge difference in any way shape or form no and then you can with the little dude and and person the little person on screen you can give them a bow if you want or top it if you're someone who identifies as a mister but you like bows in your hair you can set up the title screen to look that way if you identify as a miss and want to wear a top hat you can do that or as neither if you identify as non-binary like me you could have it just be run and jump and leave it as is it it's super super nice to have that little bit of thought put into inclusivity and i appreciated the hell out of that so I just wanted to remember to bring that up. But that is Mr. Run and Jump or Miss Run and Jump or just Run and Jump, depending on what you prefer. But if, you, if you're looking at the store page, it's going to be Mr. Run and Jump. So if you, if you actually want to check out the game and you want to find it, I mean, you could just look up Run and Jump. I'm sure it'll show up. But if you look up Miss Run and Jump, it'll probably still show up. But Mr. Run and Jump will definitely get you the game because that's its default title. Then next up, we have Frank and Drake which is a narrative-centric game where you play as a person who has forgotten their memory before the last year or something. And, oh boy. It makes a great first impression with uh, some very nice art. It utilizes rotoscoping, which is, if you you don't know what that is, it's basically where you take live action footage and you cell shade it up. That's the the look it is. So think of stuff like A Scanner Darkly, or I think there was an Amazon series with maybe the actress from Alita Battle Angel, and was it Waking Lives? You, you know the look. And it, it does a really good job with that. But as soon as you start playing the game, things become a bit concerning. A lot of the game is point-click adventure so you will see a static screen, and then there will be a handful of objects you can interact with. And how you tell what you can interact with will be by them gyrating ever so slightly. Because if you, 
When you hover over stuff, if it's something you can interact with, it'll change color ever so slightly. It's very, very subtle, so it, it could be easy to miss, and especially if you haven't optimized your display and gotten the colors right and everything like that, it might be very hard to see. But you interact with various objects, and because of your memory issues or whatever, I forget the reasoning that the game eventually explained you personify everything you give everything a little personality you have dialogues with all of these random objects so that they'll say something that may or may not try and sound somewhat insightful all right and then you move on you will have instances where the game asks you to control quote-unquote control the character by showing directional arrows on the screen and one will be highlighted you just push that button you, you, you don't push it you hold it and then after a second or two after it recognizes your input you'll see your little rotoscoped person walk for a few seconds and then you'll probably get a transition to the next screen which can have load times up to 10 to 15 seconds which are very long and especially in a game like this where you could be going between screens very quickly and it's just I played this game for an hour and at that hour point I essentially raged with the game because I didn't know what the fuck it wanted me to do and I couldn't get out of the screen and it's a very frustrating experience because it is very narrative centric and there are instances where you have choice is but so so I started off as this dude I'm, I'm pretty sure you are playing as Drake and Frank is the roommate who's coming to join you, or it could be vice versa. It doesn't actually matter. But you're in the alley, you're making your way through it, you first then come across a wheel and then a belt, and the wheel is going to be for your bike that you're, you're fixing, and the belt is something you look at, oh, it's a two-in-one. It's something that reminds me of the past and also keeps my pants up. And it's like, okay, whatever, cool. You get to your apartment building eventually after holding the button, a few times to transition between screens and walk. You check your mail, you get a flyer, you look at it, okay. And then you start going up the stairs, which you do by interacting with the gyrating stairs, then holding the button, okay. We get to our apartment building, you read your letter, and it tells you about your new roommate, and then you get, I think that was the first choice, where you can either make space for your new roommate before they arrive or do your job what I didn't understand about this situation was it showed three objects for work and then three objects for make space in parentheses they had one object which I guess was the highlight and then parentheses for the work was a washing machine because that's part of your job I guess maintenance and then in the make space in parentheses was a gun I looked at that and I said, well, I don't want to do that because one, if I have a job to do, if I have work, literally I have my job to do and it's between either doing my job or making space for this person who I don't know who I've just been, who has just been thrust upon me. I just got this letter telling me that I'm going to get this new roommate later today and there was never any mention of them before. Fuck them. I, they're not my problem. 
I got work. I've got responsibilities. That's what I'm going to do. Plus, what the fuck is this gun shit? But I also had to interact with the room, my apartment building, or my uh, apartment uh, room uh, a bit. Going around, interacting with a coffee grinder, doing a little bit of thing, and then I open something where words fall out, and I get some flowery, dumb dialogue that thinks it's clever. The problem with this game really is that it is narrative-centric, so it is very much about the writing, and the writing is awful. It comes across, and I, I hate saying this because it just sounds mean, and I don't mean to be mean, but I can't. This is just the way it comes across to me. And whatever, I have a degree in writing, doesn't mean I'm a good writer, doesn't mean anything I'm saying right now should be taken as uh, you know what you're talking about. The writing to me came across as something written by someone who once took a creative writing class and came out of it thinking they're just the fucking bee's knees and they're just so clever. And it, it reminds me too of being in those creative writing classes and the people who would write in a way where they're just trying to, they're just, they're trying to write. It's, it's just, it's a bunch of fucking nonsense. There was an instance where I was interacting with a power meter, and I guess it was alluding to something I would get to eventually, but it said, what, what matters more to you, being a good Samaritan and having to sometimes go to a laundromat or doing some other... Or, it, it didn't give me a, a, a clear and obvious and sensical contrast to that question. And then it said, also, by the way, there's a baby in that other building. What the fuck are you talking about, game? What is this fucking shit you're just spitting at me? I don't know what you're on about. And I'm assuming that it was alluding to later on, I would eventually see that I would have to unplug this thing to bring power back to my building and whenever I unplugged it and was about to put it into my power outlet back because of the apartment building across from us was stealing our power. And then it would show a, a little cutscene would show up, a little box would show up indicating that the family across the way, little uh, mother and her little kids, they'd lose power. And they'd also, and every time you do it, they'd be like, oh, what happened to the power? What happened to the power? And I didn't have the option to not take power away from them. But then as I'm finishing up the first day, because the game takes place over six days, and it is something that wants you to replay it multiple times to really see everything there is in store for you and, and go down different paths. But as I'm wrapping up the first day, and I'm in my diary constantly clicking on these three dots to continue writing my uh, experience for the day or whatever... It says I didn't take away power from them because I knew they were stealing and I felt bad so I didn't want to take it away. Except I literally did. The game made me do it. I don't, don't know what the fuck was going on there. <gasps> there was a fucking mini game with some cards that didn't explain itself and it just got more and more annoying. And then where I end up rage quitting was that I had to make a note for my incoming roommate and it wanted me to seemingly drag one of two paragraphs, select one of them to this post-it note. And I couldn't, I couldn't get out of this fucking screen. 
and I dragged one paragraph to it, nothing happened. I dragged the, it would it would then make that one kind of opaque, and then only the, this other paragraph was bold and noticeable. And so I dragged that, and then the other one would reset, and the other one would be opaque. I just keep dragging. I'm like, how do I get the fuck out of this? It just, it was an infuriating experience. Infuriating experience. It's got great, great, great art. And then everything else about it is either very whatever or fucking beyond frustrating or has this writing I just cannot stand. Super disappointing. I was very, very excited about it, but it made a terrible first impression across that first hour. And I just... It would be hard for me to want to go back and try and power through it or give it a second chance. Then, Rain World Dalpour is that is again freaking Drake. If you, if you want to check it out for yourself. But next up is Rain World Downpour. So Downpour is DLC for Rain World. I don't know if this is completely brand new across all platforms or what, because this is a game that came out. A lot, Rain World, that is, came out a long time ago. I feel like it's four to five years old because I originally played it on PlayStation 4. And that feels like it was pre-pandemic and quite some time ago. But it recently got an Xbox release earlier in the month, along with a DLC. And I just jumped into the DLC itself, which you can access after... It doesn't explain stuff. You have to do a bit of Googling to figure out how. But you go into this remix menu, activate everything, and then activate cheats for this expansion section or whatever. And then you can automatically unlock all these characters, where uh, which you would have to otherwise beat the main game with the base characters to unlock third campaigns and so on and so forth. So it is nice that you can get your way to the DLC without having to go through all that, which would only really makes sense if you are someone who completed the game the base game on a different platform and decided to move to xbox for some reason because in my dabbling with the five characters included in the downpour dlc it felt very obvious that i should that I needed to have the experience of playing through the base game to know exactly how everything works, the systems, and all of that. Because it is a very obtuse game. But though I think the base game is, from what I can remember, is quite obtuse as well. This is a game that is very much so about its animation systems, its physics systems, its water simulation. It's a very, very impressive visual game. Even though it's very lo-fi, it has some great lighting. The animation, again, is fantastic. There are, is some great, not not NPC, but animal simulations going on, little creature bug-type simulations going on. It, it It's a world that is incredibly fascinating. And a world that I think rewards you for taking the time to invest in it. Something that will require a lot of experimentation and discovery and replaying sections 
learning from your mistakes, dying and retrying. And it's something I really want to take the time to invest in at some point. It's definitely going to be a future to have the backlog game and how, how, how far I get into it. We'll see. But as something you, you just dabble in, it's not the best for that. But in playing the Downpour DLC, which would only be something I'd recommend to someone who has played the base game realistically. And also to that point, the base game is $25. The DLC is $15. So there'd be no point in buying all of it at once. Just check out the, the base game and see if you want it first. But in the game, just the base game is that you're this little kind of in between a slug and a squirrely type of creature. And you're exploring this world, discovering creatures along the way. You can pick out objects. You can you can eat dead carcasses, which is kind of a, a morbid thing about it. But it's, it's very much about exploration, experimentation, discovery. All in this world that feels very much so alive. That is one of the really nice things about Rain World. It is a world that does genuinely feel like it's alive and is full of living creatures that are doing their own thing, whether you're on that screen or not. And that, that's cool. There are some very creepy creatures. So the downpour thing has these five different characters who, who all work very different mechanically. You've got a, a little chubby creature who is able to store things in their body. And I did not like that area because I came across this section that had these very spider-like creatures and they were very disturbing and made me feel very uncomfortable. And then I eventually ended up getting mauled by a group of them and I was very, very unhappy with that entire situation. I felt very, very gross and icky and tingly and I did not want to play as them ever again. But then you have another character who can create explosives out of objects and also in midair explode themselves to propel, propel themselves long distances. That mechanic felt very, very, very good. I like that character a lot. There is one who can create spikes out of their own body and then throw them to create platforms, which was kind of fun. One that had a really long tongue that allowed you to uh, attached to ceilings and then swing yourself which was a very satisfying mechanic and then another one who could breathe underwater I believe you have these different creatures who all work differently play differently the areas you're in the levels it's all different so it's nice to have that bunch of variety and ability to Find someone who suits your playstyle and focus on them, and then maybe check out the other ones as well. But that's pretty much all I can really say about it. I, like I said, it, it, it's a game that rewards investment. The more time you put into it, the more you get out of it. If you, if, if, if this would be a game that would be. I, I guess playing it for an hour or something, you can get an idea if you want to invest in it or not, but 
you can't really base you can't really have a strong opinion about it off of that you can you can say that you can go so far as to say oh this just doesn't seem for me but i think there there's something really fascinating about it and especially the design i i would love to see like a, a no clip documentary on this game and seeing a lot of behind the scenes stuff about it and how things work and how the game was thought up and thought out I would be very fascinated by that. There is, in the, if you do go through the process of messing around with the remix mode and unlocking everything without having to unlock it yourself, there is an audio commentary or a developer commentary or whatever thing that you can activate. I did not mess with that, but that is something I would be very interested in checking out. But that is again Rain World and Rain World Downpour, it's DLC. The last up is Risky Woods Cubite Classics, which is a re-release of a 1992 game where you play as this barbarian-looking fella going through this. It's a, it's a side-scrolling platformer, action platformer, where it's somewhat contra-y, where enemies will be coming at you from both sides of the screen. You throw your little dagger at them to kill them. And keep moving forward. The goal of the game is to destroy seemingly between every level, excluding boss levels, two statues to save the people who have been petrified. It's a very Dr. Something. What the hell is going on my nose? Uh, but you have to break the statues apart to release the the people in prison inside if you don't do that and reach the end you end up getting a game over so you have to do that that is very very important to completing a level otherwise you're just screwed and you're going through these levels killing enemies collecting parts of a wheel so that you can break this structure or whatever that has you doing simon says actions which is a little weird and coming across chests, sometimes enemies will drop items. And the thing that I guess is where the Risky Woods aspect comes into play is that it seems like it's hard because the game doesn't explain itself in any way. It's an old game, and why would it? Do? That kind of stuff would be in the manual, if anything. And the one thing about QB, QB classes is that they don't really offer a lot in terms of historical things. There's no manual scans box art scans you don't have any rewind f f functions or anything of that nature they do have a save and load option but you can't even though you're not using the majority of buttons on your gamepad they don't have a quick save button you have to pause into the menu and save there and it's a very tedious process which is kind of frustrating because it, it would be so easy to have a quick save option but instead you have to bring up the menu, click save, then I'll bring up the various slots and then click the one you want to save in, confirm, and it's just like, that's a long process to have to, if you want to be saving a lot and loading a lot. But I think where the Risky Woods title comes from is that there will be objects, stuff that like maybe an apple or this arrow that looks like a rewind button 
And my impression, and maybe it, it was always doing this or not, it seemed like when you're picking up stuff, there's a chance that it might do a good thing, a chance it might do a bad thing. Do you want to take that risk? All right. I got to the point where, to me, it never seemed like it was really worth the risk. Some stuff always will do one thing or another, it seemed, but there were there were things that seemed to either give you some points or maybe poison you and make you collapse and lose some time and lose some life. And I was like, why would I ever want to take this risk? It doesn't seem like the reward is anywhere near as bad as the potential downside of taking it and getting screwed over a little bit by it. But then sometimes an object that you don't want to interact with is it falls in front of something you have to interact with and then you want to just interact with one of them but you have to interact with both of them because the game can't differentiate between the two and then you end up getting screwed by something you didn't want to it's a little finicky there the game itself too is just kind of it's whatever it, it it's an old game and it, it's 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 better than I expected but also not super engaging i love 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 the overworld music that is so cheery and delightful and pleasant and i love listening to that but then when you get into the game levels the music is very i I, the fourth level i think i kind of liked but ones previous to that were a little subtle at times and just kind of like oh okay visually okay but it just is a bit of a whatever experience. After after putting in about 40, 45 minutes into it, I got about my fill of it. And I don't I don't see much reason to go back to it. But I'll say at least as far as Cubite Classics go, it's one of the more interesting titles. And I kind of wish... It's, it's a game that I look at and I think, there's some interesting ideas here. I would have liked to have seen something that maybe took a little time to modernize it a bit. But that's that's not what that's for. Or give me a, a, a modernized version of it. So give me, give me the, the classic version and then give me an updated version. But it's okay. It is... 100% okay. There also seemed to be a bit of input lag so that I had to really, really make sure that I hit the jump button earlier than I wanted to when jumping off of a platform to another platform. Otherwise, I would just fall to my death off a cliff. The one thing, though, I'll say about it that I found very surprising is that because I'm, I'm guessing there were no changes made to the game. It has very, very, very generous checkpointing where if you die, the furthest back you might go is maybe half a screen. It's very, very generous with the checkpointing. So I appreciate that. It does make it an easier game to stick with and keep going. regardless of the fact that you can just save and load whenever you want. So that's a nice thing. It's a game that I look at and I'm like, 
There's there, there, there's something kind of here, but it, it's just not quite enough. That is again risky woods. You buy classics, and that is going to do it for this episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Once again, I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. Open to maybe get on Blue Sky or something. I don't know if I want to download Threads, but I'm done with. I guess it's is it now the X. Is Twitter officially the X, even though it's still Twitter.com and not the X.com, and it still has, says tweeting. Whatever. I'm. That's the last straw. I've still thought about maybe starting to tweet until something else really blows up and becomes a clear replacement. But at this point, I think I've just fucking. Uh, you, you you thought the Max rebranding of HBO was annoying. This is this is worse. This is way worse. I don't think it's funny, Enchi. I think the reason why you think it's funny, Enchi, is because you're already probably at the point where you stopped caring about Twitter, but you actually cared at least somewhat about HBO because there's some things on there you'd want to watch, etc. And that rebranding annoys you more because it's something you were actually using, but they had to be all stupid and do a lot of stupid things in that. Why don't you just update the fucking app when you do this? Why make a new... Whatever. Everything's dumb. People are... Companies are dumb. Why are you doing this? Especially HBO is, HBO is such a legacy. It has... <laughs> the, the HBO one is weird because it just makes no sense. Twitter is just some stupid trash thing that is been bought by a fucking trash monster who is just deciding to burn it to the ground for whatever. I don't know what the fuck is going on with Twitter. DX, whatever. Anywho, you can find me pretty much everywhere. But while I'm still on there, I'm not going to be doing anything. There, but pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site, the YouTube, the Patreon, Discord, and so much more. Any, any link you possibly want to click on regarding me and the crap I make can be found over at pxsausage.com. That is, again, pxsausage.com, getting you links to the site, YouTube, Patreon, Discord, etc. So go there if you want to do all that. The Patreon is the best way to support me. It's the main way to support me. It's kind of the only way to financially support me. You can watch videos on the YouTube, subscribe there, like, etc., share stuff with people, share the podcast, the auto version, etc., as another ways to support me. But that's it. That is all. As always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this year episode. And I hope you have both a wonderful rest of your day. A lovely rest of your week. And a lovely weekend. So for now, adios. Uh, oh yeah. Happy birthday, Jedi. Happy birthday, Jedi. All right. All right, I want to make sure to put that in there. Cause Jedi, you're 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 a cool dude. I like you. Anywho, that is it. That is all. Again, what is it? What does it say? Uh, how do I? End it? I don't. I don't just jump in audio. So, ooh, that's always uh. Thank you for watching, listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Love you rest of your week. Been a lovely weekend, but for now, adios. Uh, 
Rivadarchi. Bye.